This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing against? Yeah, uh, I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. Hey guys, I have Andrew here from the Broad- Broadway Boys podcast. Uh, how you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing good, Shane. Thank you for having me on. Uh, thank you for, for joining me. Uh, we're almost at the end of the season, so I'm trying to get as many hosts on as possible. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, so so close yet so far, at least for uh, for the Rangers, it seems right now. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, crazy. It, it, it seems like. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like this season kind of flew. I mean, I don't know if it feels like that way to you or maybe some of the teams that are, are uh, having a tougher time this year, maybe it might feel like it's been forever. But I know for me, it's been, I've been intrigued enough that it seems like it's moved on pretty fast. So, uh, but yeah, we're in, the, we're in the home stretch now, aren't we? Yeah, which is uh, going to make things relatively interesting over the last like month of the season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I would think that because especially in the East, if you look at uh, how many teams in, in the, the Metro are fighting for that last wildcard spot, uh, Rangers being one of them, that yeah, at any moment uh, you're, it's tough because there, if there's a lot of teams that are probably deserving that won't make it in, if you think about it, and then they'll uh they'll yeah because it's one thing if you're a team that's clearly rebuilding and clearly retooling and it's another if you're one of those teams that are clearly a contender but if you're you just missed the cut or whatever and you kind of have to do some soul searching and ask what happened or why it happened and yeah that's definitely the most interesting so uh the teams that maybe things are a little more that more gray area but uh uh yeah i mean yeah, it's uh, again. I, I would imagine for at least for you, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that it seems like the the path is a little bit clear on what you expect out of the Senators. Uh, you know, following the conclusion of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, the Suns have I think one of the few teams in the league that actually have a clear direction on where they're going this summer. Uh, yeah, it's funny because it's that we we you know we you laugh, but it's it's such a it seems like it would be such an obvious thing, but how many teams do you and I see that should like the path should be clear, but they're railing against it. I know the Rangers did it for forever, you know, just if refusing to admit that maybe the window is closed and just trying to get the, you know, squeeze every last drop of uh, effort and, you know, skill or whatever you have out of a, an aging core or, you know, or even just with young teams, just kind of getting that show promise, but then just getting uh instead of just being like patient all of a sudden making panic moves because you get that little glimpse of or a glimmer of like uh, either, you know, budgeting playoff success or whatever. And then you go out and make a bunch of moves, try to speed things up, which is seemed counterintuitive when you should just stay on the path. So, but uh, you know, you look at the younger talent that Ottawa has acquired uh, over the last, uh, yeah, over the, over the last 24 months. And yeah, it, I think, uh, especially with the the draft being a pretty, you know, 
considering how many picks they have in the first two rounds, that is like, it's a big moment for them coming up. So this is, could be seen as the, you can kind of put the pin in the, all right, the turnaround started here. Yeah. And I mean, I think you look at, so on, on Twitter, I made kind of a categorize the teams in the Atlantic um, of where the teams are and, you know, Boston and Tampa for the next, like I'd say at least three to five years are going to be, the playoff teams. They're going to probably own one and two in the Atlantic for the next three to five years. Toronto, Buffalo, Montreal, and Florida don't don't know what they're doing. They enter the season wanting playoffs and then come deadline, they don't know whether to shit or spit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then there's Ottawa and Detroit, and Ottawa and Detroit have committed to the rebuild. It's just a matter of how quickly they get out of the rebuild. Yeah, and obviously those are things you can't plan for. Uh, it takes a lot of its luck in terms of right place, right time. You know whether that entails being able to sign free agents at a timely, you know, who that makes sense for your team in a timely fashion, or getting a little luck with the draft lottery and drafting a player that can alter the course of your franchise. Uh, you know, Ottawa has two kicks at that can uh, this summer, so you know, which is great. Uh, they can, yeah. I mean, feasibly, like I said earlier, this could this could definitely be the the summer that it it starts it. But obviously, then you have to make sure you follow through. You know, Melnick, we do know has such a good eye for drafting talent. But I guess, uh, well, Dorian uh, has the. Eye I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Pierre, Pierre. Excuse me, I I yeah. think Dorian uh, has the eye. Of I yes, Melnick yeah, well, is the one who kind of. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah who's almost antithetical to his own GM success. Yeah. Excuse me. I apologize to uh, Pierre Dorian. For, At least uh, he's not James Dolan. Well, here's the thing. So Dolan is, uh, is in terms of as the owner of the New York Knicks, he is absolutely awful. Yeah. But he... for the most part for the Rangers, he does not a hockey guy. Like he, I think he's a self, he thinks he's a basketball guy. Oh yeah. So, he definitely so my, so my, so my Knicks are perennially doomed because he sticks his, his, his nose in it where it shouldn't be, but he's done in terms of the hiring of uh, John Davidson to come in and help uh, oversee this next, you know, uh, stage of where the Rangers are going. It's been, yeah, it's been good. He's, he signs the checks, he spends the money and he stays out of it for now. You know, who knows? I could always, my worry is that with, uh, at any moment he could just one day decide I'm impatient and I want playoff rev. I haven't had playoff revenue in a while. And then he's going to try to get involved in the Knicks side. Then I'm screwed. But for right now, he's just signing the check. So I'm happy. But like I I said, that could change at a moment's notice. To be fair, I didn't. I didn't think the Panarin signing was that smart. I yeah. think it was a little bit a of, a, of a reach. Obviously, he's performing, and I think yeah. that's the saving grace. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Back end has kind of been a little bit questionable, but oh yeah, I don't know. I think you guys had it like two years ago. You guys kind of started with the rebuild, trading people off, um, and now you're we're looking at a Rangers team where it's back to square one with a lot of questionable contracts and not really sure if they're going to be able to get into the playoffs. Cause the other thing is though, is that, you know, you have a couple of guys up there, you're near the cap. What are some of the options the Rangers have for for contracts? Well, all right. So in terms of your guys, your, your Mark stalls and your Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist and your Brendan Smith's uh, the, you have, you know, all three of them have one year left on their deal. So, 
Uh, you obviously cannot buy all of them out. That's not feasible or possible. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk's buyout jumps up to $6 million next year. So the Rangers are definitely going to be up against the cap next year. Uh, right now, it would seem like the plan is, uh, you know, they are still in the playoff hunt as of today. I think they're three points out. Yeah, They're probably yeah. not going to. I would imagine with the competition being what it was and how many self-inflicted uh, wounds, wounds they had early in the, earlier in the year, they're not going to make it. But the fact that they are close with being the youngest team in the national hockey league. I, yeah, I think in terms of their hope prospectus for the future, you know, it definitely gives me hope. Um, I mean, unfortunately, like you said, the three headed goalie thing, Henrik Lundqvist is being paid to not play right now, all the, or, you know, to get one start in, in a month and a half or whatever it's been since he's seen NHL ice. You know, I think he came in relief for Shesterkin the other day, but you know, the other, you know, fine, obviously, Shesterkin uh, finally coming in and solidifying himself as their number one goaltender has done wonders for this team. I think it's the only reason they're currently in the spot they're in. Not the only reason, but he's definitely a big uh, part of that. But yeah, it's clear that uh, they have to make it through next year. Uh, and it might, you know, like you, like you said, those, those contracts are, yeah, they, they definitely weigh down them being able to do uh, barring, doing something shrewd like packaging a first to get rid of one of them. You know, the Rangers do have two first round picks this year. They have their own. And then they have uh, whichever one Carolina decides to give them based on whether or not Toronto makes the playoffs or not. So who knows, maybe they use utilize one of them to get out from under a contract or they say to them, so there's something, you know what, we're the youngest team in the national hockey league. We are hopefully confident that Panarin, you know, Panarin and Chris Kreider will still be, uh, will still be, you know, players able to contribute relative to their cap hit when, you know, after going forward within the next, sometime within the next four or five seasons. Uh, yeah. And those are unknowns. You know, you hope, you know, for every player who is a Patrice Bergeron, who is still, or Alex Ovechkin, who is still plenty productive in there, or even having some of the, some of them having Patrick Kane, having his best season at the age of 30, you know what I mean? It's uh there's a lot who don't, so you don't know. But, uh, there, you know, you have to hope that between a guy like Panarin and a guy like Kreider, who, you know, who is a physical that they they're betting on the right horses. But yeah, as, again, it's a, you don't know until it's too late, as they always say. Right. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, I think for me, the only contract really that worries me is Jacob Truba, uh, in terms of him coming in, you know, because I think he's the type of guy that, although he's paid as such because his uh, right-handed D are a hard commodity to come by in this league. I think the emergence of Adam Fox is who as eventually the number one pairing uh, right-handed defenseman for this team makes Truba overpaid for what he brings. Although I, I will give him credit for uh, taking on some tougher assignments this year that have really allowed some of the younger guys to find their footing a bit, but yeah, I mean, I do worry that that contract is is going to be ugly going forward. Yeah, and I mean, if Adam Fox continues to improve, which you hope is the case, yeah, you know, he, you know, he's obviously two more years, um, but you'll have you'll really you have Kako, mm-hmm. uh, is it and Fox to sign that year as of yeah. right now. Well, I think the not to cut you off, but the so if you look at the defensemen, I think unfortunately I do think Tony D'Angelo is going to be the odd man out because the Rangers have 
some prospects in their system that are right pairing, right-handed D that are promising in K. Andre Miller and Nils Lungfist. And I do think one of them should be able to, especially I, I'm betting on it being Nils Lungfist that you look at the amount of D men they have in their system and how much Fox would possibly command and Mika. And I do feel like Tony D'Angelo is the odd man out, which is a shame because if you look at where, you know, he's a top five in defenseman scoring this year in the national hockey league. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I am of the opinion that if I had to, if I could only pick one of, you know, like I said, Troop is going to be hard to move. move unless you incentivize, or he just well, su- suddenly has a bounce back season next year. I'm surprised that he doesn't have a no move clause because well, that, that is the biggest thing. That and I could do, be something with Seattle too, right? You know, give Seattle a second or a third round pick to pick Truba. Yeah. And, you know, because yeah. they, they need to get to the cap floor. And if the cap's going to be almost it's projected to be over 90 million yeah. by like by the time they get rolling. Yeah. So, and I and also I, I don't want to make it seem like Jacob Truva has been an an albatross or terrible this year. I think he's been very inconsistent. I think he's been better as of late. What I've noticed from him is that it seems like there are times where he just isn't engaged and he's just blissful. See, but then, they, but then it's every now and then the Rangers play these games against these teams that are physical and that hit. And it seems to, for whatever reason, in those games he's engaged and he's skating and he's using his legs and he's playing with yeah. an edge. But you know, it's it's tough to have to ask your your you know on on paper your top pairing defenseman to do that. That should be unspoken. But I mean, at the same time, it, it I don't know if, if they make it to the playoffs and all of a sudden he is a, such a, a, a hot commodity. But again, you know, his, obviously his first season in terms of uh, what you've seen from him, you would hope that he is able to find some consistency. But, you know. I think uh, you're seeing that, now what Winnipeg saw for the last couple of years and why they weren't, you know, they weren't high gun and ho trying to get him a long-term big money deal because of how – yeah, because his play was like that in Winnipeg. And no, and I yeah, he had he had a uh, who is it a Josh Morrissey to to really you know or even do, a Tyler Myers or Tyler Myers to like to be the steady guy. And then when you know, I will say this: the one thing that's good about Truba and that hasn't left his game is that when he's on the ice, uh, you know, he kind of had this reputation as like the rough and tumble right D guy who's going to rough you up in his own zone. But if you look at his metrics, what Truba does is that he's a shot uh, driver and that when he's on the ice, the, your te- his team tends to shoot like a machine gun because he's not shy about putting the puck on net with like either a slap shot or a low hard shot or just he just likes to shoot the puck when he's in the other team's zone. So, you know, I, I do like the fact that he can seem to drive offense that gives, you know, good. But the problem is that I think his reputation is almost antithetical to what he is. So he gets paired with these stay at home guys or, or not stay at home. He gets paired with these flat, these flash guys, but then he gets relied on to be the more defensive one. And that's maybe not so much the case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's all, he's also, he got power, you know, he put, he had his best year uh, last year with Winnipeg. Uh, I could pull up his numbers. Sorry. Do, 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 do. But again, he doesn't get power play time in New York. So you're paying a guy, you know, he, he, he got first pairing power play time in Winnipeg and he's because like I said, he likes to put the puck on that. He's got a big booming slap shot. Uh, last season, you know, he has a, he has a career year. He's, he has uh where are his points? Do, do, do. Jesus. The NH- a side note, the NHL's website is absolutely atrocious. 
Oh, I hate it. I mean, I yeah. like it, but I hate it. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah, he he puts up he puts up fifty points, which was a best personal best for him last year with power play time. You know, pretty good for a defenseman who I think people saw as. But again, yeah, I think you know you obviously saw the reticence for them to pay him. I I don't think it helped that he made it known to them that he wanted out. Obviously, he didn't want to sign with them. Yeah. He's been asking. <laughs> he's been asking to get out for four years. But yeah, I think he's he's a bit of a misrepresented animal. So I just think that like he had a career year, and how many players have had career years? Oh their yeah, contract year. Like he, I think he's someone that you can get no like on an average of a season, probably forty points max. Yeah, he's. A, uh, I would he's, say thirty-five. You you should be happy with like thirty to forty points a season from yeah. Truba. But the problem is, he, if you're going to do that, you should be. You should, would hope you were getting a defensive impact that's more in line with, uh, yeah, you know, Shea not. Theodore or Pareko, and it's not there. No, even even in the playoffs, he had three points in 2017-18. He had three points in 17 games. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you're a top pairing demon and you're supposed to be this puck mover, three points in 17 games. That's not. If it was three points in five games, that's that's a little bit different. But yeah, seventeen yeah. games, that's like two round. That's two and a half rounds, basically. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, not going to cut it. No, not at all. And yeah. unfortunately, I think he, you know, for somehow, some way, he got paid because he's a right hand shot defenseman. Yeah, because and he's a premium position. He's you know a, they uh, overpaid, you know, for a new like. Well, he's from Michigan, but like yeah. they paid for, you know, an American defenseman. And I think, you know, you see it in the Canadian market when you have like an elite Canadian defenseman that they kind of get paid a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Look, oh, look and Trouba uh... does have a no move clause. Oh, he does. Damn. Yeah. Well, Starting next season. So for whatever okay. reason. Well, yeah. Well, the good. Well, he the, has I no guess... signing bonus after three, after the, th- in the fourth year. Yeah. Fourth right. year to the eighth year is no signing bonus. Yeah, you know, again, money in the New York Rangers is they seem like they care less about that. But I think you know, if the only in terms of you know the alternatives are either a his play improves and he somehow becomes a very good stabilizing presence, who knows? But uh, probably not. But and he ends up just being an overpaid second pairing defenseman. But um. Yeah, you do. Like you, you mentioned a really good point. You wonder with the expansion draft, you know, that team, regardless of what I, you know, I think Truba still does have a good reputation. I think it's only the people that kind of look closer that are like, ah, I don't know about this. Um, you would hope maybe, A, you can incentivize a Seattle to select him, or B, you have a young team like Detroit who is barren of talent right now and does need some stabilizing presence. So maybe if you, Truba, has expressed wanting to go home. It was either New York or there. So if you offer him with some salary retention to Detroit, you do wonder if a, he okays it and B if Detroit wouldn't be interested because Jacob Truba at 4 million is, you know, maybe a little bit more manageable for a team, you know? Yeah. I, I think he's overrated. I think he's one of the, he. Tell us how you really feel Shane. (laughs) For me, he's not like he, he falls in the category of, all the skill and very like very bad work ethic. Yeah. And, and I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, cause I've seen that's, I think that's the frustrating thing is that you see the games where he's engaged and he gives it a, 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 a shit. A shit. You know? <laughs> and, but, and you're, it's like night and day sometimes, you know, and 
I think the one thing that has helped him, why I think he's been good and down the stretch for the Rangers, I think moving Brady Shea, the two of them together seem to defer to each other a lot, which is death in the National Hockey League because you have to be decisive and make decisions. And yeah. if you're if you take that half second to be like, oh, are you going to get it or am I going to get it? it you pair you. him. You pair him with Brendan Smith, who I think it's clear he's riding shotgun to you. So you're going. He's there to back you up. Yeah. You're going to try to do more of the lifting. And I think for that reason, he's been better. But far too many times this season, Truba has just picked the, the odd game to just kind of check out, you know. But again, he's been good down the good down the stretch for the Rangers. So right now he's, yeah, and in he has had to carry some assignments. You know, he there are there are guys in this league that are maybe they're overpaid, but you know, as long as that other guy is with them, who's like the the sneaky underrated one, your Anton Strawmans or whoever they are, you're like. Oh, like, or your, your, uh, Alec Martinez is your, like, you're like, Oh, this guy is like, you know, it's, you, you can kind of live with it. But once that guy is gone and they're left to, to pull the weight by themselves and you realize they can't, you're just like, Oh sh- shit, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, unfortunately, I think this is where American hockey gets a bad rap where uh, like seeing, how many players have, I mean, obviously, you know, every country has this issue. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, American hockey, at least the, the, like the way it's talked about up here is that there's this boatload of talent, but the way the programs are set up and whatnot is that you have the best of the best and then you have the rest. And there's a chance that they fall through the cracks. And when they get to the NHL level is that, it it doesn't like U.S. hockey doesn't actually prepare them for NHL competition and what's expected of them at the NHL level that they've righted skills so long that when they actually have to put in work and when they start to face adversity, they kind of just crumble. And I think it's also a perception that a lot of people have on, you know, Russian hockey as well is that, you know, they have all this skill, but once they start facing any kind of pressure and adversity when it comes to their game and what they're producing on ice, they kind of crumble and they disengage with the game. And I think Truba's maybe playing in Winnipeg is it's kind of brought that to light for him is where if things aren't going his way, he kind of just crumbles under it after a certain stretch of games and it takes him out of the game for like completely. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, be, watching hockey down here, uh, I I don't know. Obviously, it's like asking someone like what your own perception. I guess my perception about how uh, American players, or maybe I guess specifically like the college slash the national, uh, the U.S. national development program. Yeah, it's. I guess I I, I guess I, maybe to some extent I would uh, agree that in the last few years. Well, maybe you'd call it overcorrection because if you look at the last, you know, for a while the rap on, you know, the uh, USA hockey selection process was that they would go have to go up to head with all the other countries of the world and they choose all these like heart and soul guys who had no skill. You know, you're, you would, you're, you'd leave your Phil Kessels at home and your, your, your lineups would be literally Nick Felinos and, and Derek Stepans and, uh, you know, Zach Parise, guys who play Ryan Suters, you know, your guys who play the right way, yeah. but you're like, why is Phil Kessel not on this team? Or, you know, or even as, a, as a few years ago, it's like, why is this up and comer 
you know, with, with amazing hands and has been scoring at a torrid pace in the National Hockey League. Why is he left off? Or your, or your, your Keith Yandels or your guys who put up points, but they're not, oh, like he's too risky and he doesn't commit to, you know, we need a, you know, this steady guy who only puts, who like, you know, and, and it went in doubt glassing out. But yeah, so now I think you do see that maybe with the national development program there, it's kind of gone the other way where it's like you have a lot of skill guys, but, and granted, and maybe the pool for a lesser extent is not as uh, committed. Cause I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there are some U S players that choose to play major junior or who are going or summer, or even like some guys like Matthews who are just, who are just going overseas instead first coming in. But yeah, I think I'd agree with that to a certain extent that, uh, although same. again, I, I, it's kind of from my, from my vantage point, it's kind of hard to see cause I'm kind of right on top of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the, one of the reasons why that perception in Canada is kind of looked at is at least with the U S development league it, itself and how very, you know, blinded they are at times yeah. is that unless you're like a Patrick Kane or a Matthew yeah. Kachuk, if you play junior hockey, like, you go up, come to Canada and play in the Canadian Hockey League. Yeah, you're kind of devalued. Like you're kind of you know you're one of many on their radar. But yeah. even if you are the best player, and it's kind of changed over the last couple of years, where they've they've started to bring in a lot of the of the CHL players. But you know, you go back probably like five to to ten years ago, guys like you know, I think there was a five or six of them on the American roster this year probably would have been only two. And, you know, I think that that was the problem is that they had to, if they wanted to, to, you know, represent their country, they kind of had to go through that, you know, development league and then go to college. And because they had to make this decision, I think it's what, at 14, 15 for you guys that you have to make that decision. I think up here is the same way. It's 14, 15, you have to choose either junior or major junior. Yeah. And it's like, how can you expect a 14 or 15 year old to choose what route is best for them when they're barely, because like high school starts at what grade nine for you guys start at what? 14. Uh, yeah. I'd say roughly that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a 14 year old kid. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, the other thing is that what, uh, what sucks I think is for the most part, is that you know once you test, you know once you play major junior, that you are then not eligible to play because it's a semi-professional league. You're not you were not eligible to play college hockey. So yeah, I mean NCAA and is how a many whole different discussion. Well, yeah, exactly. But I'm saying the fact is that you know a lot of times it's not. Sometimes you're not going to know what's the best course of action for you as a player. Because, you know, no, every player is different and they develop at different paces and different speeds. And I think some guys, you know, thrive off of the fact that, uh, you know, maybe you don't know where you're at as a player. You have things you're good at, things you're bad at, but you just guys respond differently. I think there's guys that would, you know, in college, you get a lot of practice time. You don't play a lot of games. And I think there's guys that would benefit from that for and you marinate maybe a little bit longer if you if you stay, obviously, your full four years with your college program. You know, and you you eventually play up against maybe more physically developed players, but again, you're not playing as in game situations as much. And I think there's players that would flourish, you know, having the the constant beat, you know, the pro schedule being on the reps playing, yeah. you know, that many games. But you, you, that's the thing you don't know. And what if you make the decision and you decide, I'm, you know, what I want to, 
immediately go up against some, you know, be an iron sharpens iron situation every night playing uh, junior hockey. And then you realize, oh, I have a lot I need to work on, but now I've already played games. I can't, and I want to have a degree to fall back on. Well, you've already played, so you're, you're shit yeah. out of luck. You know what I mean? Well, I think like up in Canada, you can like, the way it works is that you can go to, to university afterwards. Oh yeah. I was, I was just talking strictly for, you know, for, but you, even like for Americans. Yeah. Like if, if you're an American player, you have that ability to go to a Canadian university if you don't make it to the NHL and don't want to go overseas. Yeah. For, for me, that it's is like, true. you have to make that. Like I look at it. It's like, you know, I played football my, basically my entire life since I was like 10 and you know, you kind of, you didn't have to worry about that kind of decision up until you were like 16, 17, yeah. grade 10, 11 was where you really started how to think about it. Yeah. And I think for, for Americans, it's very much a look at, you have to decide if you can make it to the end. I think that's the way you look at it is like, do I have the skill level now to fight for, you know, uh, an NHL spot when I'm, you know, 18, 19, 20, or do I take the safe route and go to the university and get a degree to fall back on? Yeah. And, well, the- you know, play and still play hockey and still have that opportunity where I can, still leave if i get drafted i can still leave school but you know if i don't get drafted and i can still play hockey and i can go get my degree with no problem yeah and i can still sign out of you know college because that's the one thing is that if you're in cis the chances of you being drafted out of or being signed out of university in canada is a lot lower than if you were to sign get signed out of ncaa yeah exactly yeah, and I mean, obviously, we've seen a, f- a few players, you know, stay all four years just simply so they could get out of the, their uh, to not have to sign with a team that drafted them, you know, because they're required. Those teams are required to let them finish their educations if they wish, and then by then, their uh, yeah, their their ELC is up. So you have your uh, your guys like Adam Foxes and Kevin Hayes and yeah, or Jimmy Vesey's who just Bobby uh, Butler. Bobby Butler, who you know, who shut, shun, yeah, the guys that they don't don't want, refuse to play for the teams that that drafted them. They stay in college, and then they're free agents, and they just pick where they go. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, I think it also like the the idea of like you not being drafted and being having a successful uh, uh, junior and senior year, you kind of you get noticed, and then you have to adjust to an NHL schedule, and like some teams may not. And I think this is where the Rangers kind of messed up, and I don't really blame the Rangers for it. But playing four years of college, you're playing on weekends, you're practicing, like you don't have that grind. So jumping from college to hot, like an NHL schedule, I would imagine would be tough for anybody. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these guys who jump from college to NHL, if they can't adjust quickly enough to – uh, every second game, every second day or every third day game, they kind of just want, like they just get washed out of the league because they just can't handle it. And I don't yeah. think that's really fair to the players. Like if I was a player front coming from college, maybe spending, maybe going to a team that's willing to allow me to play a couple of months in the American hockey league to kind of get used to what it's like to play in the NHL. Yeah. Then jump up to the NHL might be better. And I think VC well, and yeah. whatnot, they've all kind of got sucked into that. Like I want to play right now. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, in, you know, a lot of times it becomes, I'm going to sign with the team on, you know, the team that will let me sign me to play in the national hockey league immediately. And obviously because teams are like, well, it only caught, you know, it's just, it's a roster spot. He's still only making this, you know, entry level money that they kind of get, like you said, they get sucked into it. It's, it's too enticing for them. You know, they just become an asset and either it pans out or it doesn't doesn't really cost them draft high capital risk, low reward. Yeah. High risk, low reward. So like you said, or that's definitely high, risk, high reward actually. Well, yeah, 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 well, or exactly. Um, you know, I mean, not that he spurned the team that signed him, but you know, you look, you look, Kale McCarr jumped out, although it was obviously clear he was far too good for college hockey anyway, you know, jumped in pretty seamlessly and, you know, came, you know, yeah. at the end of Taylor. Same with Quinn season. Hughes. Yeah. But you're seeing it with Jack Hughes where it's, there has been an adjustment period and you can, debate yeah. on if that's just because of the lack of quality and i think that's well, the same thing with quitting Makar is that the quality of skill around those two players make might make things a lot more seeming seamless than yeah uh, if a team you know let's say Makar went like signed with detroit yeah or Hugh, quinn hughes signed with detroit would they still be as effective as they are with their respective teams now probably not well, yeah, and I, you know, I think the unfortunate reality is the NHL is a results-oriented business, and even if you were just seeing the flashes of what they could do without the context, uh, you might people are quick to judge, you know. And the other thing is that not all players develop the same. You know, I think the fact that you have guys like McDavid and Matthews and Eichel and Line A jump in and immediately start having huge impacts kind of skews, or even Darlene, you know, skews what your expectations are because you forget that guys like, uh, you know, Alexander Barkov and, uh, you know, there's a, there's, you know, there's a litany of, or your Joe Thornton's like guys come in and they struggle. And then they, over time, they finally, they develop into monster players, you know, some of you know, Joe Thornton being a hall of fame player. Yeah, it's just, Thor- yeah. Thornton's it's overrated. What's up? I think. Thornton's oh my overrated now. Jeez. Louise Shane, you were just now. a hater. You're a hater. Now. Oh, now? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know. I think I if think... you go back to, like, 10 years, like, 20, like, when it, like, 2010, he was probably one of the best setup men's. Oh, league. I mean, you know, he, listen, he's, he's, he's over the, yeah, he's over the hill, but I'm just saying. It's like in terms... just, I mean, to be fair, yeah. I thought Chara was always overrated. Uh, you Super know, smart. I... Like, probably one of the smartest hockey players that I've seen play. Yeah. But if you look at, like, the general, his general, like, overall skill. You know, he's not that good, strong of a skater. He just, he's big and he's smart enough. And he, I, mean, I would he's ar- very smart. But I would, but I would argue that's a skill. Being smart is a skill. But it's probably like, he's super smart on the ice. He knows how to use his body. And I think you, you miss that with a lot of big guys where they don't know how to use their body yeah. quite as well. But I think if you were to take, you know, his overall, like, Tara's overall skill set, his skating, yeah. his, like, he he relies a lot on his vision, and I give him I give him and Thornton credit and Marlow credit yeah. for being able to stick in the league. But I think they're sticking in the league because of their names, reputation. Um, yeah, I mean that's, that's the same I think thing that's Yager finally oh. had to outplay to sh- like he finally had to show the the league that he can't play anymore before people were like, okay, he actually can't play anymore instead of like he banked on his name way too much. Yeah, you know I I would say. Like of all the three, everyone mentioned, I would argue that Patrick Marlowe is at least because he can still skate is, uh, would probably still be, is still a good, a serviceable third line winger, bottom six winger. Right. But, and the other guys maybe, you know, can pot and just try not to, 
you know, if you look at their med, well, yeah, 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 exactly. Which is, you know, obviously their, their threshold for how much they should are, you know, have to contribute is obviously much, uh, they're given a lot of leeway to your point. So yeah, I I mean, it's going to be bust in the weakest link in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, well, it's, you know, it's tough because with Chara, it's like you watch him sometimes. And like you said, you see the vision and he'll break up a great play, which he has no business doing because of his reach. But then there's time you'll see him get turnstiled. I think the smartest thing Boston has done, if you look at the way, you know, obviously having him and McAvoy play together is good because Charlie is a very talented kid and uh, can cover, he can help. And because Chara does cover so much ice that if he does get turnstiled, they have seemed to work it out where they play team defense well and they can limit you know limit chances to the outside or whatever and rask obviously is a good goaltender so in the, oh, yeah. the moments where char does get undressed it's Which all right happens quite a bit yeah no he gets turnstiled a lot but i you know part of it is you know you would think that if it was at a point where it was actively costing them games or whatever but you know and i, I guess you know again the team itself around him is very good yeah, and yeah, so maybe in a different situation it wouldn't, but uh, yeah, I guess, you know, not to be cliche about it, I guess, but there, you know, maybe there is something to be said about his presence when he's there, oh, yeah, calming I mean, them down and, and or behind the scenes or whatever, you know. I think but. if you look at, at Chera, it's like it's the intimidation factor, right? Where a lot yeah. of teams, a lot of players kind of give him too much respect, and that's kind of what like in front of the net and whatnot. And the teams that have success against Boston. I think the Blues did a very good job with this in the playoffs is that they didn't give Chera any respect. Maroon, Riley, all the like all their big physical guys were, you know, when he was on the ice, they were hitting him. Yeah. They were physical with him. They were in front of the net. And I think that's how you you beat a guy like Chera is that you don't give him that respect. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And but you know, at the same time it's like Yeah, there definitely is an element of the uh the Ovechkin's, you know, from his office thing is that, you know, what's coming, but at the same time, you're like, we just, you, it was like, why don't they just take away that, that part of the ice? And sometimes it's can't. just like, you can't, and you know, even like for every guy that, you know, luckily St. Louis is a big team, you know, they got some big bodies so they can bring the fight. There are some teams, unfortunately, that it just might not, might not be an option for them. And unfortunately, you know? his spot is at the, per- is in the perfect <laughs> spot. Yeah. If so, you do try to take it away, you're leaving the, like, like you're leaving down low open yeah you can't cover that spot you just have to hope yes you get in the way yeah and i mean mitch marner is obviously very fast and good an elite skater but you know if if char just is able to use his brain to get that step and you have to somehow get by him and he's in you're in his wingspan like i sorry mitch it's not gonna happen hence why you're getting (laughs) you're getting swatted away so yeah but i mean you know there's so many formulas for why things you know should or should not work in the national hockey league and sometimes they seem antithetical but if it ain't broke i guess don't fix it or at least don't until it's the the engine is literally smoking you know sometimes so we'll see um but i think uh, i think we'll wrap it up okay. uh, thank you for for joining me uh, <laughs> no before worries. we sign off uh for the listeners uh andrew and i are working on two draft style episodes for our patreon account uh the first one we'll be talking about the top 31 uh draft picks in our opinions and then probably sometime middle of april if everything works out we'll have a mock draft 
of the network's picks on, you know, depending on where they pick and whatnot. Uh, so Andrew, if you want to talk a little bit about that before we sign off. Yeah. So this was a fun exercise. Uh, we, you know, Shane and I were kicking around the idea of doing a mock draft and then we thought, what if we conducted it like a real draft and having our fellow co-hosts come up and make their picks to the podium, uh, you know, things, obviously when it comes to these things, us being around the country, it's kind of, or in the continents, I should say it's, you know, we, things are changing in terms of draft position. So, uh, who knows how things align up, especially if, if people end up trading picks, but at the end of the day, we thought it'd be a fun exercise and to allow, you know, you to hear the voices of the various hosts and their thought process and who they are, uh, who they would pick and why and how it helps their services, their team. And, you know, again, especially if you're, I'm sure, cause when you hear, Shane and I's list on, on the upcoming uh, uh, our 31 prospect rankings, and I'm sure there'll be some uh, difference. And you'll, yeah, and it just I think it kind of goes to show that there, you know, all, one little dom- domino can change everything, right? You know, if a guy's yeah, off the board, there's a team that needs the team that's currently getting shot in the foot. If you're if you're picking around 10 and you've been undone yet again because you don't have a goaltender and, uh, uh, Askarov is sitting right there you know who knows you might be but then again if you're a team like the Rangers or Car or you know or uh, the Islanders or the Capitals or whatever who you already set you have your goaltender the future obviously it changes things so we thought it'd be a fun exercise uh, so that'll be coming like Shane said closer to the draft but uh, yes for all you Patreon subscribers Coming up very shortly, we should we should be posting our uh, 31 prospect rankings, and yeah, that'll be fun. Shane and I will compare our lists, and we'll talk about our why we value some people highly, why we value some people lower, and yeah, it should be a fun exercise. So, looking forward to doing that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, a lot of people know that you know, just a, a little teaser: Byfield will not be number two. <laughs> um, just to put that right out there and I mean if you've been following me on Twitter or, or have been listening to my um, the episodes you know how I feel about about Byfield but yes it's going to be a fun uh, a fun uh, experiment to see what who Andrew has in his top 31 uh, and where they have where he has them ranked uh, but you know yeah definitely take a look out for that it's only a dollar a month so and you get all the content it's not like you you pay a dollar and you only get one episode you get a one up you get pay a dollar and you get a bunch of episodes and come the off season that's where you're going to want to subscribe to because that's where we're also going to be releasing a lot of stuff about draft and whatnot so definitely do that uh hockey podcast hockey podcast network on patreon for a dollar a month uh andrew thank you again for coming on where can people find you uh, you can find me at Broadway Boys Pod on Twitter for the Broadway Boys, or uh, I don't even remember my own Twitter. My personal <laughs> Twitter is uh, at, I believe it's at Captain Tenille, C A P T T E N N I L L E. You know, I don't know if there's any uh, <laughs> fans of Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. It's a throwback. Uh, but yeah, uh, at Broadway Boys Pod, uh, if you're, you know, whether you're a Rangers fan or a Senators fan, uh, you know, I'm always down to talk uh, anything that's on your mind uh so yeah you can find us there and yeah uh just like shane you every uh we drop every monday and uh thursday on the hockey podcast network we have our own dedicated feed now which is fun so yeah just search on your uh podcast provider at broadway boys pod 
And there you guys have it. Uh, you know where to find me at Shane underscore Ryan 97 and Frozen Biscuit 92. I hope you guys all have a great weekend and we will catch you again on Monday. Again, Andrew, thank you for coming. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Shane. Thank you for having me.